Hey there, this episode originally aired in July. We'll be back with a new show next week. Hi, Jonathan Colton. Hello, Ophira Eisenberg of NPR's Ask Me Another. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask how you are. So Thank here's you. another totally ridiculous question. What's yeah. new? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> this week I did a couple of home improvement projects. That's excellent. That is so, I mean, that involves so many things I don't have. Energy, mm. focus. Yeah. Listen, I'm not... Uh, <laughs> I'm not an expert at this stuff. I'm relatively handy in that I can figure stuff out. But yeah. I feel like every time I approach one of these projects, I'm terrified that I'm going to do it wrong. And it usually goes the way I think, which is that I'm missing a crucial tool. <laughs> yeah. Or I, I don't have the skill that I think I have. Or it doesn't, it just doesn't go the way it's supposed to do. I think this is how it is for everybody. I think you just learn how to work around all these problems. But for me, I'm like, all right, I have the shower that has like a glass, two glass walls on it. Yeah. And it has always leaked. It has always leaked. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to get in there. I'm going to tear the caulk out and I'm going to yeah. re-caulk this shower. So That is a, such a strength. I have once tried to do that to the edge of a tub. The hand strength required for <laughs> yes, first that of all, caulking gun is insane. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> caulking is so much more exhausting than you think it is. You have to squeeze that thing, and then you have to keep squeezing it and it's keep squeezing and keep squeezing crazy. it. crazy. It's yeah. no good. It should be an Olympic event. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I got, I got it done. I put the caulk in. I was like, oh, man, here we go. And I turned on the shower, and I took a shower, and I got out, and it's still leaking. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I'm it's sorry. So that was a waste of time. But it's it's so frustrating to me these home improvement projects because it's always like I always just want them to be smooth and beautiful and easy, and instead they are just <laughs> endlessly complicated. My Achilles heel <laughs> is that uh, if I find that I don't have the right tool, I yeah. proceed anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I can't. I need a special thing that is specially made for exactly this problem. I don't have that. Am I really going to go back to the hardware store? No. Instead, I'm going to take a butter knife, and I'm going to jam it in there, and I'm going to hit the butter. I can't reach the hammer, so I'm going to hit the butter knife with this, you know, <laughs> with this uh, Xbox controller, and that probably is going to work fine. The amount of times that I will even be too lazy to get a screwdriver, and I just grab a steak knife... Yeah, I know. <laughs> Putting a screw in with a steak knife. That's and yeah, you know, I always like in those moments I always fast forward to myself in the emergency room. Uh, right, try to explain this. Try to explain like, well, I didn't want to go get a screwdriver, so I just use a steak knife, which is why I'm here in the emergency room with a knife in my leg. <laughs> okay, well maybe we should try something we don't need any special tools for, like our show. Maybe. Yeah. Good point. Let's do it. <laughs> From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from our respective homes in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and MacGyvering home improvement projects for no good reason. Ask me another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. We have a packed episode for you with so many wonderful people. From Top Chef, we have host Padma Lakshmi, and she tells us what to do with all of those awkward pantry items we have in our kitchen that we're now desperate enough to use. Then we'll help Grammy-nominated musicians Margot Price and Jeremy Ivey spice up their couple's quarantine with a Billy Joel-themed music parody game. But first, returning to the show are comedy writers Amber Ruffin and Jenny Hagel. Let's play some games. And here they are, returning champions, Amber Ruffin and Jenny Hagel. Hello. Hi. Yay, hi. Hey, happy to have you both join us. Amber, you and Jenny both write for Late Night with Seth Meyers. Uh, but Amber, at the beginning of June, when the Black Lives Matter protests were hitting the streets, you actually started each show. You did a series of videos about your experiences being mistreated by the police. And I think it was about the fourth one that you started by saying, okay, you know what? I'm actually out of stories. And then you're like, just kidding. I could keep doing this. So many more. So many more. more. Yeah. Yep. What kind of response did you get? A lot of people were like, oh, my God, we had no idea. 
it was like that. And now we're looking at things in a different way, you know, because I do feel like until these protests, I think people thought that the cops were always right. You know, I I think there was a lot of that. Like, I can remember grown men and women that I know being like, well, yeah, the community says that the cops were crazy, but the cops said that it was the person who was, in fact, nuts. Right. So, you know, grown, grown adults. And I thought, oh, well, okay, they just have no reason to stretch their minds to make room for, you know, the fact that a whole community can't be wrong. Everyone Everyone in the community is a crazy person. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So we have the two of you here. You're good friends. You work together. You're used to hanging out. How often have you been talking to each other over the last few months? Not enough. I know. Jenny and I used to get breakfast together every morning at work. Mm -hmm. From the second I would walk in to work, we would immediately, one of us would be like, I have a story to tell you. (laughs) And then we would go to the cafeteria and get oatmeal and gossip. And then we would do our work. And then we would go get lunch. And then we would come back and we'd do our work. And then at night, we'd be like texting each other. We are together so much that the lady who is the cashier upstairs, um, once I came in to get lunch with my husband, and then later that day, she saw Jenny alone. And she said to Jenny, I saw your friend in here. With a man. <laughs> she really she really thought Amber was stepping out on me and she was letting me know. That's nice. I thought she would be on my side no. and let me dip out. <laughs> She's on the side of our relationship. That's whose side she's on. That's right. <laughs> I love I'm just that. trying to live. All right, we have a couple games for you. Yeah. Uh, the first one is a audio quiz. It's an audio edition of our recurring game, This, That, or the Other. We're going to play you a short clip of a YouTube video, and you have to tell us if the sound you hear is made by a cat, a sheep, or a human baby. Great. This is great. Cat, (laughs) sheep, human baby. All right. Here's your first clip. All right, Amber. It's a sheep. It's a sheep. Interesting choice. Jenny. <laughs> uh, it's an alien baby. Alien baby. <laughs> no, no, uh, I think it's a sheep. Human, Jenny. <laughs> okay, okay. That's, uh, that's, that's, I'm going to agree with Amber for once and say it's a sheep. Wait, no. If she's agreeing with me, then I'd like to change my answer. <laughs> I would like to change it to human baby. Okay. So, Amber, you're going with human baby. Jenny, you're human going, baby, you're going with sheep. Answer. Okay, it's interesting. That is a, that's a cat. No. <laughs> that's a cat. No. Yeah, that's from a YouTube channel called Animals Are Awesome. So this cat is probably making the chattering sound because it's seen a bird or some other prey. Scientists don't know exactly why cats make that sound. Let me tell you. Because he wants to eat it. You could stop that sentence like scientists don't know why cats. They're gross. They're mean. Cats are weird, for sure. They are disgusting. And every single one of them is just biding their time till their owner turns their back so they can kill them. I'm glad you brought this up. How is your feral cat, Jonathan Colton? Uh, He's he's doing exactly what Jenny described. He is plotting. (laughs) He's waiting for just the right moment. And then he's going to kill me and eat me. Perfect. What um, what NPR listeners can't see right now is that in the frame, Jonathan's Zoom frame, there's a paw with a knife just slowly. <laughs> right, right. There's a, a cat, cat behind me making the, like, slit your throat yeah. motion with his paw. At one more day. <laughs> okay. Uh, here is, here's your next clip. <laughs> So, Jenny, is that a cat, a sheep, or a human baby? That's a human baby. It's definitely a human baby, but I do not like Jenny Hagel. I have got to go sheep. It's a sheep. You're going you're gonna to go sheep just in case. Sheep, you, final you, answer. <laughs> okay. The, the answer is it is a baby. 
baby. All right, here's your next clip. All right, cat, sheep, or baby, Amber. Sheep! A very strong vote for sheep, Jenny. Cat. Cat? Jenny going with cat. All right. Yep, sheep. Sheep. That, Yay! Uh, that is a, Good. a lamb, what appears in the video to be a, at a petting zoo. All right, here's another clip. <laughs> No, 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 no. Amber is smiling and I nodding because I think she knows you it. Know but Jenny, Jenny, it on America's Funniest Home Videos. You get to go first. Is that a cat, a sheep, or a human baby? I'm going to say human baby, but Amber, I feel like, is going to get this right. It is the funniest America's Funniest Home Video ever <laughs> because it is a cat. And what they did was they put subtitles underneath it, <laughs> and the subtitles match up so perfectly to what you hear. Yeah. yeah. But cats don't speak English. Yeah. So it's friggin' hilarious. Yeah. No, that's correct. It, <laughs> it is a cat. That cat is named Marquis, known affectionately on the internet as the no, 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 no cat. Says no all the time. No, 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 Says no all the time. No. Unfortunately, he is no longer with us. He passed away in 2018. Oh, I hope it's. Oh, a- no, 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 no. That's what they said. I think that was the eulogy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Great game. We weren't keeping score on that game, but Amber won. I'd like to thank, I don't know, my parents, <laughs> uh, hard work, and myself. Yeah. After the break, we'll play another game with comedy writers Amber Ruffin and Jenny Hagel. And later, I'll get out my tasting spoon for a chat with top chefs Padma Lakshmi. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR's sponsor, StoryPoint Wines, maker of StoryPoint, a wine brand who believes that wine and storytelling are the perfect pair. Much like a good podcast, StoryPoint builds layers of interest to create a premium wine at an affordable price. Discover why StoryPoint received Wine Enthusiast's Best Buy Award. Visit storypointwines.com slash another to purchase. And as a special offer to NPR listeners, shipping is included in your online order of three bottles or more. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp, the online counseling service dedicated to connecting you with a licensed counselor to help you overcome whatever stands in the way of your happiness. Fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a professional tailored to your needs. And if you aren't satisfied with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time free of charge. Visit BetterHelp.com ask to get 10% off your first month. Get the help you deserve with BetterHelp. Since the 1980s, hip-hop and America's prisons have grown side by side. And we're going to investigate this connection to see how it lifts us up and holds us down. Hip-hop is talking about what we live, trying to live the American dream, failing at the American dream. I'm Sydney Madden. I'm Rodney Carmichael. Listen now to the Louder Than a Riot podcast from NPR Music. Where we trace the collision of rhyme and punishment in America. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and writing the next mediocre American novel. I'm Jonathan Colton. Here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks, Jonathan. We're playing games with two comics who write for and appear on Late Night with Seth Meyers, returning champions Amber Ruffin and Jenny Hagel. Okay, Jenny, I have to ask, you have your hair expertly French braided. Did you do that on your own? Are you that skilled? Do you know what happened is I have a lot of hair. Like I have the most hair probably of any individual human. And um, it just keeps growing during the pandemic. And there just keeps being more of it. This is actually how they do my hair at work when they need to put it under a wig, when they need to hide my hair under a wig. So (laughs) a talented woman named Betty Rogers, who um, works in our hair and makeup department, 
does all of her hair. She braids it like this so that she can make it small enough to shove under a wig. And so she showed me how to do it once. And I remember thinking, okay, thanks, but I'll never need this. And this has been the hairdo of the pandemic. Every morning I wake up and I put it in this so that I cannot have like a massive giant head of hair that I don't know what to do with. It is both that her hair is very curly, so it's very big. And so is mine. But if you pressed my hair straight, it would look like, you know how when kids draw a person and they just give them one line of hair? (laughs) That's what I look like. But Jenny... If you straighten her hair, if you pull it tight, there is nothing you could do to get it to be a normal size. It's just the amount of hairs on her head. Yeah. It's, it's too many. It's like the hairs per square inch. I've had like when I, one time I was in high school, I was getting my hair cut and the shampoo woman was like shampooing my hair. And she was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is so much hair. And then she started calling people. She's like, Barbara, Barbara, get over here. You got to get your hands in this. Come here. Look at this. And there's like all these women with their hands in my hair. And it wasn't enough people. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Would you like to play another game? Okay. All right. (laughs) Great. You're going to work together on this next one. It's called The Longest Quiz. So these questions are about some of the world's longest things. We don't really expect you to know the answers, but we just want (laughs) you to talk it out and see if you can come up with a guess. First question. Out of the hundred biggest blockbuster movies released in the last 30 years, which one has the longest theatrical runtime, according to IMDb? It's Titanic. Oh. Because yeah, that movie felt is. like it lasted felt 29 long. years. Felt and I very long, out. yeah. Stupid movie. I think I like Amber's, but do you want to give us multiple choice or do you want I mean, to just that's guess? so, you know what, Titanic is within the multiple choice. Right. So yeah, it's uh, our choices for you. Is it Avengers Endgame? Titanic, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, or There Will Be Blood 2, Buckets and Buckets of Blood this time. (laughs) I stand by Amber's guest, Titanic. So Titanic is three hours and 14 minutes long. Good God. I know. It's definitely a long movie. So long. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. The conclusion to the trilogy is three hours and 21 minutes no! long. Oh, and Avengers Endgame is a little over three hours long. So Lord of the Rings, and in the extended DVD edition of that movie, uh, it has not ended yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's another one. A French company holds the Guinness World Record for the longest of what type of clothing item at more than five miles long? Scarf, right? French people love a scarf. I'll give you the I'll give you the multiple <laughs> choice. Is it the infinity scarf, a braided belt, or the train of a wedding gown? Five miles long. It can't be scarf. He messed up because he said infinity scarf, and those are a circle. So that oh. means it's not scarf. It For the record, I didn't mess be... up, I just read what's on this piece of paper. <laughs> What I'm saying is Jonathan personally made a oops. Made a mistake. Because yeah. he is bad. I blew it. I'm bad at my um. job. <laughs> oh my God. Your cat is so embarrassed. <laughs> no, let him live, Flopsy. Um, I named your cat Flopsy. Flopsy. I think it's the wedding train. Because that's the most fun. Yeah. It would be very fun. And you guys are absolutely correct. The record was set Yay. in 2017. And it took 15 volunteers two months to stitch it all together. And you know, you both said you both said it would be so fun. That's the perspective of the bride. Can you imagine the perspective of the bridesmaids? They are mad. I will say though, isn't that the perspective of every bridesmaid? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's right. That's (laughs) That's like the baseline. It's the baseline. All right. What song holds the record for the most consecutive weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100? I think it's. Juiced. Oh, is it not Old Town Road? Oh, mm. we're gonna need some multiple choices. Okay, Old Town Road is on the list. Here are the choices: Desposito, I will always love you, Old Town Road, or Eliza's gasp at the end of Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> but why did she gasp? I don't why? know why they made that a separate okay. track, but they did. It's uh, it's my ringtone. <laughs> yeah. I just put it on loop when I'm when I'm falling asleep. <laughs> so very soothing. Yeah, that's what our mic my running. Keeps me going. Keeps me going. So it's Despacito or Old Town Road. 
Old Town Road, yeah. I guess Old Town Road. <sighs> yeah, let's go Old Town Road. You are correct. Yeah. Yeah, Old Town Road was up there for 19 weeks, outlasting Despacito's 16 weeks. I Will Always Love You had 14 straight weeks, and Old Town Road actually got taken out by Billie Eilish's bad guy. That's nuts. Okay, which of these Guinness record-setting human body parts is the longest? Mm. Longest tongue, longest tooth, or longest ear hair? It's got to be tongue. (laughs) Yeah, I go with tongue. I agree. Tongue. I guess it depends on how you measure the tongue. Tongue actually goes pretty far back into your... uh, Tip to lip. That's the measurement. Tip to lip. Tip to lip is... You (laughs) guys, we are in a dangerous area. I'm just telling you. I'm using the verbiage that was given to me that is appropriate and correct. Official Tip to lip is is also the (laughs) name. Amber knows what I'm saying. I can't get anywhere near it. Tip to lip was the name of my college employee. <laughs> we are tip to lip. All we need to get started is a suggestion of a location. You guys, that's Jenny's favorite joke. She says it twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my uh, okay, so you're going with tongue. I'll tell you that the answer is uh, maybe more disturbing. It is ear hair. Oh, no. This is a parade of horrible things. The longest tooth ever extracted was 1.46 inches. That's a pretty long tooth. Oh, yay. That's gross. They were really old, you guys. Hmm? They're a little long in the tooth. A little long in the tooth. All right, good night, everyone. Nice. The record for longest tongue was set in 2012 by a man with a tongue that measures 3.97 inches from tip to lip. And the longest ear hair on record is more than seven inches long. No. It is true. We all know from our recent experience that hair is growing. <laughs> hair is growing hair, at an it alarming just keeps on rate. Going. Hair doesn't care. All right, here's your final one. According to a National Geographic article headlined Nice Caboose, Animals with the Longest Tails, what land mammal we got has it. the longest tail? Is it length or is it length compared to their body, like proportion of their body? It's tip to lip. No, it's uh <laughs> Not proportional, just longest. Okay. Well, yeah, you want to do multiple choice? Ooh. Uh, the multiple choice is giraffe, mm. spider monkey, Ooh. snow leopard, or trash panda. I'm going to, my, my initial guess is snow leopard. I feel like it's either that or spider monkey. What do you think, Amber Ruffin? I would think a snow leopard is longer than a spider monkey. It's the giraffe. <gasps> what? I know. I they get it. everything. I thought they had those. I thought cute little tail. Yeah, no, supposedly. the flies like That's right. But uh, the whole thing is so big. Right. It looks uh, short, but it's not. That's, that's right. That's yeah. Right. Oh, fantastic game. You guys were such a good team. And Jenny won. <laughs> uh, I just want to thank myself and only myself. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Amber Ruffin. Thank you, Jenny Hagel. See you again soon. Bye. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Jenny Hagel and Amber Ruffin write for and appear on Late Night with Seth Meyers. Our next contestants are a married musical couple joining us from their home in Nashville, Margot Price and Jeremy Ivey. Margot's new album, That's How Rumors Get Started, is out right now. Margot, Jeremy, hello. Hello. Margot, you have a new album out, but obviously you are not on tour. How are you keeping busy? We've really leaned into the home life, and we've got about 2,000 tomatoes that we've grew. The, Lots of tomatoes. The only successful thing in our <laughs> <Yeah>. garden. <laughs> That's amazing. You're doing that thing where you're begging your neighbors to take tomatoes away from you? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, before you grow tomatoes, you never understand why people are always like, do you want some tomatoes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a tomato apocalypse. And I saw the music video that you just put out for uh, Letting Me Down that was as part of the Jimmy Kimmel concert series where it's all around a pool. It actually looks like because you're wandering around the pool and all the band members are around the pool in different places, it looks like you're all social distancing. (laughs) We are. Everyone in our camp has been like so overly cautious. And, you know, we talked about doing rehearsals again because... We did like 100 days of of solitude, basically, um, at the beginning of the COVID outbreak. But, um, you know, we really wanted to get back to seeing friends. And so we thought, let's just practice outside. It's safer. Everybody can stay apart. 
And yeah, that was their suggestion because they, somebody on their team saw that we were having band practices outside around the pool. So they were like, do you just want to do your performance out there? And turned out, I think it turned out pretty good. Yeah, it looks great. Well, I mean, it's totally, I think it's very innovative because you, a lot of Zoom performances were just looking into people's homes, it's pared down and, and that is really interesting in its own way. Yeah. But this felt like a hybrid. It was had the production value, like outside of this context. I think you're just like, yeah, someone shot a great music video. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I mean, work. it seemed like a good transition because we've done some of the, the squares, you know, everybody from their own homes and yeah. just it gets kind of visually tiring, you know. As you can see in our shot, I just realized we have a vacuum in the background, so you're still getting a <laughs> oh, glimpse. Is that, into what, is that what that is? Yeah. I thought it was yeah, some yeah. sort of a sculpture or maybe a robot. <laughs> it's, it is a, yeah, it's a, kind of a cool looking vacuum. You know yeah. what? I, I'm glad you're cleaning, okay? I think that's really healthy. We're not cleaning. We're just putting vacuums around the house. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh would you guys like to segue into a game? Let's do sure. it. <laughs> this is a music challenge. It is inspired by the song, We Didn't Start the Fire. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which lists dozens of historic events between 1949 and 1989. Yeah. With, oh, with, no. No, narr- with no narrative, just a list of things. No <laughs> just narrative. a list. Just a list of yeah. things. It's true. This happened. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing about this song. Billy Joel... Uh, says that he wrote the lyrics to this song before he wrote the melody, which is not usually how he works. And he, this is a quote from him about the melody, (laughs) that the melody is horrendous. This is Billy Joel talking. It's like a mosquito drowning. It's one of the worst melodies I've ever written. You know, at least he is truthful with himself, because I tend to agree with that sentiment. Yes. No, there are a few people who would disagree with Billy Joel about the awfulness of the melody of this song. So... We decided to help in the only way we know how, which is to rewrite his other songs to make them about historic events from the 20th century. Wonderful. So now basically all of his songs are We Didn't Start the Fire, which is definitely a thing that nobody was asking for. (laughs) I'm going to play a Billy Joel hit with the lyrics changed to be about an event that happened in the year that that song peaked on the charts. Nice. Okay. To earn full credit, you only have to give me one of the following pieces of information. You can name the historic event. You can name the song that I'm parodying. Or you can admit that you are the one who started the fire. <laughs> and why. And then I'm going to need a, I need, I need a couple sentences as to why. And maybe. And we'd like Great. to know why. It's only fair. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Here we go. I don't need your grease soundtrack or your Ricky Lee Jones. I just want my Black Sabbath and my Jethro Tull. My new personal tape player comes with some headphones You can listen to your stuff, mine's in my skull Oh, is that a track? No, a Walkman. A Walkman. Sony Walkman, that is correct. Okay, a Walkman and also, uh, it's obviously my life. And my Um, life, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, as I was thinking about the Walkman, uh, I was just, because this totally gives you my age, but I went uh, traveling after high school and I had a Walkman. And for a year I went traveling and I was like, wow, that is so crazy. I packed six cassette tapes and that was my music. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's what I listened to for a year on my device. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you had to, it just took so long to fast forward, you had to like the record. You had to, <laughs> had to you like know. the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, and it's also the, I remember that I used to have cassette tapes that would have one album recorded on one side and another album recorded on the other side. Yeah. And so yeah. I forever relate those two albums in my head, even though they were not have nothing related to in any way. <laughs> well, I remember I had, um, I, I didn't have a lot of tapes, but I remember I had a copy of uh, Red's Greatest Hits. Oh, yeah. Even even Bread's greatest hits, you had to skip a few. All right, Jeremy, here is one for you. Okay. Leg placid night. The game is hockey. Oh, they're experienced, and we are really young and green. Can this be right? The score is 4-3 Nobody thought we would kick butt in this Cold War fight Oh God, I wish I knew more about hockey. Uh, you may be right, 
is the song. That's correct. I'm always going to be better with the name of the song <laughs> than the historical <laughs> event. Uh, this was a Cold War. This was a uh, Cold War related foe. So okay. Did so we? Did so we, the score was three to four. Did we right? beat Russia? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that narrow did, it down? Did, did, did we? Did we beat Russia three to four? That's right. Yeah. Okay. It, was the U- okay. it was the U.S. Uh, defeating Russia, the miracle on ice in the uh, nice. 1980 right. Winter Olympics. It was right. such a big deal that uh, America won hockey. Canada did a lot of miracles at the Olympics. Never, so, good never, job, never bring up, never bring up hockey around a Canadian. I swear. <laughs> well, didn't Nashville? Oh, I know this. Like just this last year or the year before, didn't Nashville? Like we didn't win, but we got close. You yeah. did get close. Yeah, the, the Preds are pretty good, you know. Everyone was like, "What?" I know. Yeah, yeah. It's so hot here. All the There's... all the fr- frozen lakes in our neighborhood, you know. All the kids growing up. I know. Um, it's a passion here in Nashville, you know. Yep. <laughs> okay, this is the last one, and it is for you, Margot. Okay. Flashes your visa, next president. Choppers here, get on board. Cause you left just before we impeached you. Oh, great. Now there's just Gerald Ford. Well, it's uh, Piano Man. That's correct. It's definitely uh, Nixon flipping the peace sign, yeah. Watergate. That's correct. And I have always thought Piano Man is best on guitar. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. That was fantastic. Is that, was that the last one? Yeah, sorry. There's that's, no that more? was the last one. Make yeah. up some more. Make up some more. Make up some more. Always a woman. Come on. Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. Always, uh, always end on Piano Man. Uh, yes. that, you on guys guitar. did great, obviously. Obviously you did Thank great. Thank you. Thank you so much again. Thank you so much, Margot Price. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeremy Ivey. Thank you. Y'all Thank take you. care. And thanks again. That's Jeremy Ivey and Margot Price. Margot's new album, That's How Rumors Get Started, is out now. Coming up, I'm so excited to talk to the host of Top Chef and the new Hulu series, Taste the Nation, Padma Lakshmi. And she's agreed to help me and Jonathan figure out what to do with all of those ingredients that have been sitting around our kitchens forever. So please unpack your knives and stay. I'm Ophira Eisberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor TD Ameritrade. Now that commission-free trading is the norm, TD Ameritrade thinks it's time to define value beyond its price tag. It's the confidence of knowing you have a team of traders on standby to answer any question. It's Thinkorswim's powerful charting and analysis tools, and it's personalized education to fine-tune your skills. Value is becoming smarter with every commission-free online equity trade. Discover true value with TD Ameritrade, where smart investors get smarter. This message comes from NPR sponsor Headspace. Life can be stressful, but 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Need help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions. Go to headspace.com ask for a free month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. Lauren Co. of Loco Kitchen went from pie-zaster. It looked like a crime scene. All the berry juices were everywhere. To pie-master. She'll share tips based on years of baking delicious pies that are stunning works of art, too. Listen and subscribe to NPR's Life Kit. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks, Jonathan. It's time to welcome our special guest. She's been the host of the Bravo cooking competition show Top Chef since 2006, and her new Hulu show, Taste the Nation, is out now. Padma Lakshmi. Hello. Hi. How are you doing, Ophira? (laughs) I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm excited. Uh, I, I think a lot of people might not know that you are a comedy lover. And I read that in 2009, after you already had been hosting Top Chef for a couple of years, you actually enrolled in a class at UCB to take some improv. Yes. Yes, I what? did. I was a theater major and I was an actress before I got my gig at uh 
top chef. And so I love improv. People don't really know me for that anymore. And I just was craving that. So yeah, I signed up for one of the their intensive seminars. I actually went through the program with a couple of them. I got to level three and then we performed. Yeah. Um, it's no more, sadly, but we performed at the UCB Theater and it was a lot of fun. So have you ever thought since then that maybe you should gather a few people and start an improv group? Well, right now I have my plate filled with two shows. <laughs> yeah, right. Come on. And two books. Everyone, everyone has loads of time right now. Everyone has loads. I mean, of time. I, I would love to. I have since then done other things um, as a guest yeah. with uh, different groups like ASCAT and others from UCB. So, you know, I think... If I want to, it's there for me. I just, I think at some point in your life, you have to grow up and just pick a lane or two. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah. yeah. And so that's where I'm at right now. But I mean, God forbid either of the shows go away. I hope not. But, um, you know, I would love to go back at that, go back and do that. It is my first love. Um, I mean, one of the things we do at home as a parlor game is do improv. My daughter is 10 and she's very good at improv. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So so we do it. The only problem is that there's no end in sight. Like <laughs> <laughs> we, we never you know, we're like SNL. We can never figure out how to end the scene. <laughs> so just, and at some point I'll just like pull the ripcord and be like, OK, that's enough. We've beat this. <laughs> Horse to death. That's an ending. That's a natural ending in some ways. Yeah. You know? Uh, Yeah, right. You've been hosting Top Chefs since 2006. Now, contractually, you are the person as the host who has to taste and try every single dish prepared every single episode. That's correct. Yeah. Well, because we're a game show, right? So I have to because I can't judge the chefs unless I taste their food. And so we take that very seriously. You know, there's no fraternization between me and the chefs during the contest. The only time I have any interaction with them is in the kitchen or wherever we're filming with a camera running because we never want anybody to think that it's in any way rigged or influenced or even manipulated, which for us, it's a really big sticking point because I know for a fact that a lot of other cooking shows will um, will sometimes bend the rules a little bit because one person has a better personality, right. you know, or whatever. And we just don't do that. And I think that's why we've remained the industry standard because, you know, chefs talk and they go away and they, they, they tell people what happens on set. And also, I, I never want the competition to not be 100% fair. We put a lot of time into thinking about that. Yeah. So what does that do to your palate, though? Has it become desensitized? Is it, is it more sensitive? It, it, you know, I always had a sensitive palate, even when I was a toddler. And it explains a lot of things about my childhood now. Wait a second, Once even I've... when you were a toddler? Yes, because I'm a super taster. Oh, that's oh, <laughs> and they knew this. And they knew this, at a, you knew this at a young age. You display this immediately. I, I mean, I didn't know I was a super taster until sure. a few years ago when this Italian researcher gave me this little tab test, but um, <laughs> not that kind of tab. But, um, it, you know, I always knew I could sense the different flavors of a dish. And I think that's why I'm a good cook. If you saw me in the kitchen, I'm no technical master. You know, it's just that my palate can detect different flavors. And now I realized why, because, you know, super tasters have extra taste buds that non-super tasters do not have. Yeah. When you became an executive producer on Top Chef a few years ago, did you use that power to change any of the challenges or, uh, you know, the stunts or the themed weeks where you like, never again will we have liver ganache? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I hate that (laughs) After so many years and traveling the globe, it is still the worst thing I have eaten. Um, And it was a surprise. I think that was the worst part of it, right? It was a surprise. It was just to get everyone on the same page, if our listeners don't know, it was a, um, well, it was a contestant's dessert, right? 
Well, they had to team chocolate with something savory.、Um, yeah. And so, you know, Elon, who wound up winning that season,、um, embedded a little morsel of liver into a beautiful, decadent, perfectly executed chocolate ganache. <laughs> Except there was this mystery prize. You know, it's like, a, it's like you meet a beautiful man who's so nice to you, and then you get to know him and you realize he's psycho. That's what the. <laughs> like, <laughs> or woman. You know, that, that's, that's kind of what that chocolate ganache experience was like. But、um, the one episode that we don't do anymore, and I don't know if it's just because I've been belly aching. About it for so long is this fear factor episode, or what I call a fear factor episode. It was always too early in the season, also, where we had a bunch of weird mystery meats that people had to do stuff with. I have eaten crocodile, rattlesnake, ostrich, duck testicles, bull's testicles. Like,、so, you know, we've just had this cornucopia of meats, and I've just put the kibosh on that. Right. It does sound like the ultimate prank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, in your new Hulu docuseries, Taste the Nation, you travel all over the country and you ask the question, what is American food? So, what have you found out about what is American food? What I've found out is that it is a microcosm of all of the world's foods and that it is an ever evolving organism, that it is shaped by waves and waves of different generations of people that have come here from all over the world. And then collectively as a nation, Um, we have a developed taste. We love Italian food. We love Thai food. So the collective American palate has actually gone way more in the spicy direction since,、mm. say, when I was a child in the 70s and 80s. And so now Americans really do like spicy food. They're not, even if they have mashed potatoes and、uh, meatloaf, they will usually put sriracha on it. And that's brought here by other people. So, you know, The, the indigenous food of America, like what actual American food is,、yeah. is beans, corn, squash, the three sisters. And that's why we go also in Taste the Nation to visit the San Carlos Reservation.、Um, it's an Apache reservation in Arizona and see, you know, what was here before European colonialists came. And added flour, added sugar, added lard. You know, we always say, like, oh, it's as American as apple pie. Apple pie ain't American. It's not. <laughs> right. So I don't even know if there's a, an answer to this, but right now, is there like an ingredient or a condiment or a spice that is quintessentially American? Sumac. Sumac is really American, but it's not today.、Yeah. But, you know, originally the Native Americans used to、uh, flavor their food with sumac. It's a beautiful vermilion berry that gets dried. You know, the, mostly the way we add acid or souring agents to food is, is with liquid, like lemon juice、right. or vinegar. And this allows you another way to do it. Like we make, sometimes we make sumac dusted pita chips in the oven. That sounds amazing.、Uh, we're all cooking so much more at home these days. Some people have learned how to cook over this amount of time. So, this builds into our Ask Me Another challenge. Jonathan and I have gone into our pantries and found ingredients that we have lying around and we don't know what to do with. I, he, I don't know what Jonathan has brought. He doesn't know what I brought. We're going to reveal an ingredient. You're going to give us some ideas about how we could incorporate these two ingredients into a dish.、Uh, sure. And if you also want to add something from the imaginary Ask Me Another Pantry, you could just go into it and grab <laughs> and anything you want to how add great. to this. <laughs> so I've got my bag. Jonathan, do you have your bag? I do have a bag. Okay. Okay. So on the count of three, should we just reveal something? Yeah,、and、just、we'll、pull something out. Okay. okay, ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Okay. What do you have? I have a two pound bag of cocoa nibs. <laughs> That's a lot of cocoa、That's、nibs. That's a lot of cocoa nibs. All right, I have a bag of wild rice. Great. 
I mean, the way to use them together is to make a black chocolate rice pudding. Yeah. So it would be like a really cool goth rice pudding. So it would be made with your rice and you would boil the rice and then drain it and then boil it again with condensed milk. And then, um, or whole milk or heavy cream, whatever you had. If you used um, whole milk or heavy cream, you could add sugar to that or agave or whatever. And then you would add his cocoa nibs and, and stir slowly and just stay at the stove and make something out of that. As far as spices, I would just add a touch of cinnamon and some cardamom. Um, but I would keep it super duper simple. But it would look gorgeous on the plate or in a little shallow bowl. And you could call it black rice pudding. And you could just put a little thing of whipped cream on the top. That sounds, a, just, I mean, I want to make that immediately. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, a, that's can, impressive. But, uh, so also, Jonathan, I like the fact that the, that cocoa nibs package has been opened as if someone just stuck their hand I, in it well, just to throw some in their mouth. Yeah, well, so this is the thing is a lot of these ingredients are not ingredients that I have brought into the house. I don't know who bought this two pound bag of cocoa nibs <laughs> and what they did with a tiny amount of it and why it is still here. But I, I have it. So, OK, that was right. extremely impressive. Let's ready try for this another again. One? Yeah. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Ooh, lima oh. beans. Can of lima beans. I have a bag okay. <laughs> I have a bag of chia seeds. This is gonna oh, be a geez. yummy dish. Oh yeah. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> no, I mean I love lima beans. I would prefer that people buy frozen lima beans. But, you know, listen, I remember when there was a hurricane and, you know, we didn't have electricity here in downtown New York for five days. And right. by the fifth day, it got pretty gray gardens at my house. So I get, I get the need for having some canned foods around. But um, the first thing I would do with the lima beans is open them, put them in a strainer or colander and run ice cold water you know, through them to get all that schmutz off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would even just put them in the fridge for half an hour so they, so they lose some of their mushiness. Okay. Um, and then what did you have? Chia seeds? Chia seeds. I don't even know what you do with chia seeds. Um, they need stuff to swell up. So, um, right. well, this is a, okay, this is a weird dish, but just. <laughs> of course, just, yeah. Just, it can't be anything call, less than call weird. Big, big bean, little bean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, exactly. So I guess if these Lima are all the... seeds. <laughs> yeah, if this is all I had, what I would do is soak the chia seeds in coconut milk, unsweetened coconut milk. This uh-huh. is very important. Okay, so let that go overnight. Then I would make a porridge. I would make a savory porridge, and I would saute um, onions, garlic, and ginger, and then put a little bit of... Um, turmeric in there and and depending on your heat level Mm. you could use a little curry powder or just you know some some black pepper or crushed red chili you know depending on your taste and then I would add another can of unsweetened coconut milk to that and then I would fry the um lima beans with nothing but chili and salt yeah and then I would I would sprinkle the fried lima beans over the savory chia and coconut porridge. Oh, okay. add some cilantro and lime juice. I'm, I'm actually, I'm now I'm making this. You understand? <laughs> I have no idea how these things. Are. I'm, I'm pulling these out of thin air. I don't. No, it's you incredible. Know. It's no, totally it's amazing. amazing. I'll send right. you these chia seeds right away if you're. Okay. Yes, <laughs> please do. Okay, should we do one more? Yeah, let's do sure. one more. Okay, all right. One, two, two, three, three. This is. Uh, what is that? These are tamari, sunflower seeds. They're tamari uh, pumpkin seeds. Ooh, those are cool. I have a jar of pomegranate molasses. Oh, I love pomegranate molasses. That's an easy one. Oh, we're gonna all right. make a we're gonna make a big salad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're gonna get spinach leaves, sorrel leaves, mm. and romaine hearts, and chop them up. You are also going to. Um, roast off some fennel, and then now we're going to make our dressing. So basically, I want you to get really good olive oil, 
and some yuzu, which is a Japanese citrus fruit. You can get it in bottles. And then pomegranate molasses. Mm -hmm. You're going to mix those three things up. And then you're going to add to this dressing some za'atar. It's made of sesame and wild thyme. And then you're going to pull the fennel out. Let the fennel cool and crisp up. Keep the oven on. Put the um, pumpkin seeds in the same pan. There'll be a little bit of residual olive oil in there. And just rub it around. And then you're going to drizzle some um, maple syrup and chili powder and a little bit of salt, which is going to give you a hot and sweet pumpkin seed Ah. brittle. Yeah. And then... (laughs) So, and then you're going to, the last thing you're going to do so the salad doesn't get soggy is you're going to put that roasted fennel on top of the greens, and then you're going to crumble that brittle up, and then you're going to put the dressing on, toss that all up. And if you just grill some flank steak or chicken or shrimp, you can throw it on there and it's a meal. That is, it's so amazing. I also Uh, realize that I am completely starving right now. (laughs) I know, I have that effect on people. I'm sorry. (laughs) That was incredible. I mean, we expected a lot, but that was far beyond anything from my wildest dreams of you just telling us what we could do with some random stuff. Most of my recipes are born exactly this way. It's me MacGyvering in the kitchen going, okay, what the heck can I make out of, you know, a sad box of couscous and two aging <laughs> zucchini <laughs> rolling around in my crisper in the fridge, you yeah. know? And that's how the best recipes are done. Thank you so much, Padma. Of course, I am enjoying Taste the Nation. It's available right now on Hulu. Thank you so much for joining us today, Padma. Thank you. Take care, guys. Bye. Ask Me Another's house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, my name anagrams to Thou Jolta Cannon. Our puzzles written by our staff, along with Matt Foster and senior writer Karen Lurie, with additional material by Emily Winter. Ask Me Another is produced by Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Nancy Seichow, James Barber, and Ramel Wood. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal, and our boss's bosses are Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. Thanks to our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Hey, you're still listening. Fantastic. So since you're still here, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review? We'd love to hear from you, and it also helps others find out about our show. For information about new episodes, bonus videos, and more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thanks! Next time on Ask Me Another, joining us is Academy Award-nominated actor Rosie Perez. She tells us about her approach to auditioning for roles and her character on the new HBO Max series, The Flight Attendant. Then we challenge the first lady of boxing to a game about Muhammad Ali quotes. So join me on NPR's Ask Me Another, the answer to life's funnier questions. <laughs>